The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. 2 John chapter number 1 and verses 12 and 13. We're going to wrap this up with a conclusion. And you say, what can you learn from a conclusion? We're going to see that. 2 John chapter number 1 and verse number 12. And let's read this together. And let's uh, ask God's blessing on our time. And we'll uh, discover what he has for us. Let's read together. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Father, would you bless our time in your word? We believe that this is your inspired and fallible word, uh, Lord, without error. And we are grateful for it tonight. There's a lot of lying deceit in our world today. And we're aware of that. And Lord, it troubles our hearts. But we are comforted with the fact that we came to your word tonight. And we know that it is without error. And Lord, we praise your name for that. Thank you. And we pray that you'd help us to receive your word with uh, meek hearts, with ready hearts. And that we'd apply it into our daily lives. That it would make a difference in how we live tomorrow. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we've been through 2 John, we've learned some things, and I want to review that. And if you have your, uh, your guide tonight uh, that you should have received on the way in, you've learned that truth is very important from 2 John. Uh, the living in the context of truth, allowing truth to be a part of our lives. John was writing to a church, to believers like you and I, and he's trying to help us to understand that everything that we do ought to uh, center around truth. You could put it this way, truth is the hub from which the spokes of our lives, the activities of our lives should stem. So everything you do in your life, every attitude, every action ought to be related back to the truth of God's word. Without the truth, we are not successful. In fact, while I was away, I, I challenge you with one of my greetings. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Everything needs to be related back to the truth. How much is your life this week, how much of your life right now is related back to truth? How much of it is grounded in truth? And what he was getting across to them is, listen, I want you to understand that truth is so very important. Truth ought to impact all of your relationships. Your relationships ought to be governed by truth. They ought to, uh, they ought to exist in the truth. And so uh, John writes to these believers in verse number one, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, speaking of believers whom I love in the truth, even as love was dictated by truth. Uh, his relationships with those believers all centered around or was in the context of truth. And so we learned in verses one through three that we ought to love the truth the same way. That the truth ought to be so dominant in our lives that it is our greatest love. Those that love the truth love those that love the truth. And John was saying, listen, I, I love you because we all love the truth. The reason that we're together tonight is not because we all have a similar background or we all make the same amount of money or we all have the same views about what's going on in our country today. The reason we're together right now tonight is because we believe that this is the truth and we have a love for it that would cause us to be here on a Wednesday night setting aside other things. And there's a, there's a common bond in the truth. Those that love the truth love those that love the truth. We find that brought out in the book of 1 John uh, as, a, as a very dominant theme. That even a part of, our, uh, of the 
the affirmation of our Christianity is that we love those that love God, that we love those that love the truth. And so we learn this uh, tonight. And love uh, those that love the truth, love those that love the truth. Verses 4 through 6, we found that John was talking about walking the truth. Look at verse number 4 with me. I rejoice greatly that I have found of thy children walking in truth. I was out in the marketplace and I discovered. That's the idea of found. I discovered. I came upon them in the normal routine of their daily lives as they were working their job, as they were shopping at Kroger's, as they were picking up their kids from school. I discovered them walking in truth. I discovered them interacting and living out biblical truths in their life. I discovered this and I, I just rejoice. I rejoice. And so we found that those that love the truth walk in the truth. Here's the thing. We don't follow each other to our different places of work, and we don't follow each other home. And the fact of the matter is, we might be compelled just because of peer pressure to live out truth or to, to live a certain way or to act a certain way when we're in a gathering like this. But the fact of the matter is, what is going to help you continue to walk in the truth when you don't have others around you that are going to prop you up? It's a love for the truth. It's a love for the truth. It's a love for this, this, um, this book that says, no matter who I'm around, no matter who agrees me, uh, with me around me, I'm going to walk in the principles of the truth. Those that love the truth walk in the truth. We need a society full of people right now that love God's word so much that it dictates the way they walk in the, in the daily culture. Boy, don't we need that. We need a revival of that. And let's remember that while we can look at the world and we can say, boy, the world has problems right now and the world's divided right now, it is God that said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and then will I forgive them. And, then, and it is at that point that we'll see revival happening and it is us turning back to God. Those that love the truth walk in the truth. How do you love the truth tonight? A good telltale sign of whether you love the truth is whether you're walking in the principles of the word of God, whether it's adjusting the way that you're living. And then we find John turned from that to challenging them about protecting the truth in their daily lives. If we love the truth, we'll walk in it, and we'll also want to protect it. There'll be a desire there in verses 7 through 11. He um, brings out the fact that there's many deceivers that are entered in the world, and can I get an amen on that, Right? There's many deceivers. And there's even people right now who are using the word of God as a clever tool to accomplish their will. By the way, the word of God is not bound. And just because someone quotes a Bible verse does not mean they're a Christian and does not mean that they're, they're pleasing to God. There have been many people who have taken this word and have wrested it. They have, they have ripped it out of context and used it to their own advantage. Shame on them. And the fact of the matter is, we are going to have to stand and uphold the truth in this day more than ever. And to, to be clear voices, by the way, if we're going to protect the truth and stand up for it, we have to know it. We have to know what the Word of God says, and that behooves us to study the Word and allow, allow us to be workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 15. So protecting the truth, John says, look, listen, you, you see all these deceivers that have come into the world, and we can get so focused on them. Do you know what John says in verse number 8? Look at it with me as we still review. He says, look to yourselves. Look to yourselves. I'm telling you what, 
So many times, it is really easy to look at everyone else and say, they're wrong there, and they said the wrong thing. Can you believe what that person just said on TV? John says, when you feel that in your heart, when you see those deceivers, look to yourselves. Make sure you're walking in the truth. What the world, what your workplace needs tomorrow is you to be walking in truth. They need you to have the truth so alive in your heart that you won't waver in it. Those that love the truth and walk in the truth desire to protect the truth. And so we see how that we're led, even in verse number 11, that we're not to fellowship with those that have, who have apostatized from the truth, who reject the truth and say, hey, I want nothing to do with it and take it and twist it. Are there apostates today? Are there heretics today that take the word of God and use it to their own advantage knowing that they're doing that? Yes, there are. Are there, is there the spirit of the antichrist, antichrists in the world today? Yes, there are. We're not to wish them Godspeed. We're not to, uh, uh, we're not to encourage them in their way. And if you, uh, if you want more explanation on that, I'm not going to re-preach my message. I'd encourage you to go back to the website and uh, listen to the message on protecting the truth as we dealt with different religions that are in exactly in that category. And we, uh, we cannot wish them Godspeed. And that's not an unkind thing to say. Listen, uh, a religion that teaches people uh, against the word of God and thus condemns them to hellfire is not something to mess around with. Now, I don't have to be nasty and unkind, but I certainly do not have to agree with them and, and encourage them in their way. And the Bible says we are to protect the truth. We are to earnestly contend for the faith, Jude chapter, on Jude number 3. And so that leads us, as John wraps this all up, truth is the dominant theme in 2 uh, in, in John. As this is all wrapped up, John has some unfinished business. And I want us to catch this. John is trying to convey to these believers that nothing is more important than the truth. And though it was being threatened in their, in their gathering, and though it was being undermined, and there were even people in their gathering that were really causing some problems, and there were people that were coming in from outside that were causing problems, but there were even some folks that were in there that were a part of their, of their gathering that, that it, it may not seem they were threatening the truth, but they, they were, and it was going to have to be dealt with. And I, wanna, I want you to notice here, as we read there in verse number 12, having many things to write unto you. John says that. Having many things to write unto you. John needed to finish up some business, but did not feel like it was, it was right and proper in this venue, in this, uh, in this way, to continue to talk about it in this letter. And he had a plan to come to them. And I find that John had this, this, this burden on his heart that needed to be accomplished. And so it wasn't going to be accomplished through this letter. And it causes the letter to end on a warm note, but a very sober note. And so notice with me, as we go through an outline tonight, notice with a, a weighty issue that is on John's heart, and I want to break that apart. John alerted them that there was going to be a future time. He was going to come and deal with this, and he was going to speak up for the truth. Listen, if you have a desire to protect the truth, it's going to cause you to speak up. It might be in a family context. It might be at work. But the Holy Spirit of God at times is going to lead you to say something and speak up for the truth, to earnestly contend for the truth. And John is going to do that when he goes there. And he says, listen, I have many things that I want to write unto you, but I would not write with paper and ink. I'm not going to do this. And this wasn't because John was getting old and tired. Likely John, was, likely John had someone who was writing this down and helping him, uh, helping him out with this. 
And this was because John had some more things to deal with and it needed, it needed to be in person. And let's notice this. This is in the context of doctrinal issues that were arising in that, in that assembly of believers. 2 John 7 tells us that there were many deceivers. Uh, this deceiver, uh, it says, this is a deceiver and antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, that we have built, that we have, that we have accomplished, uh, but that we receive a full reward. He was, he was saying, hey, there's, there's, some, there's some problems, there's some things that have, that have crept in. Watch out, look out for that. But I want us to realize if we would compare Scripture with Scripture and the third chap, in the third book of John, on just over a page in verse number 9, it says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Now this is another book that we're going to get to and we're going to break it apart in another time. But I want us to realize there's another situation that's happening that, that John is burdened about, and it is very likely that the many things that he wanted to discuss centered around this man Diotrephes that was causing some trouble uh, and that had arisen as a sort of, you, you might think of him as a congregational bully. If you have bullies on the playground, right? A congregational bully, a man who loved to have the preeminence. This I find extremely interesting, and we'll break it apart again, as I said, in 3 John. But there's two times in the New Testament that the word preeminence comes up. It's in this, in uh, 3 John 9, where it unveils this man, Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence. And the second time is Colossians 1, verse 18, where it says, And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, meaning the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, he was the first one to rise from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Preeminence means to be first or to become or, or uh, ranking above all others. And listen, he didn't, he didn't become that. He is always ranked above all others. Aren't you thankful for that? And he, is, he was there at the beginning. He was a part of creation. Colossians 1 and verse number 16. He is preeminent. The Bible says that he is preeminent and is to be preeminent in the church. Now, there are different religions that, that will exalt a man in the church. And you really get what you have, like leader worship or pastor worship. Or you'll, you'll have uh, uh, like uh, pope worship. You'll have different, different people who are put so much on a pedestal that they are, they, are, they are in a place of worship that is not to be according to Scripture. Jesus is to have preeminence in this place. I am a pastor, but I am not preeminent in this place. Jesus Christ is preeminent, and he alone receives all the glory. He is to receive all the glory. Don't you believe that tonight? So the fact is, the fact of the matter is, we have a man who is vying for the preeminence. And John says, listen, I'm not going to write through a, through a letter. And just imagine this with me. If John were to write and say, and call out Diotrephes in a letter, and give this to one of you to read uh, in, in the church, and to confront this man who has taken the rightful place of the Lord Jesus Christ in the church. That's That's serious. That's going to be some confrontation, don't you think? And so John says, I have many things to write unto you, but notice what he says in the rest of the verse. He says there in, 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 in 2 John 12, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust 
to come to you and speak what? Face to face. Face to face. Now I want us to realize something. As long as a congregational bully like this, someone who wants to have the preeminence, who thinks of themselves so highly, they exalt themselves in the eyes of the membership, want the membership to, to, uh, to submit to their view, uh, to their preference, uh, wants to be known, wants to, be, uh, to receive uh, exaltation, wants to receive praise in place of Christ, as long as that's happening, uh, you can be guaranteed that an assembly is going to be a pretty miserable place to be. Um, we don't like to be around prideful people, people that are stuck in themselves. That's a diatrophies. Do you like to be around people that are stuck in themselves? No. And the fact of the matter is, we all have that propensity, but may none of us ever, ever be labeled a diatrophies within this assembly, wanting to be preeminent, to take the place of Jesus Christ. Listen, at the end of the day, you're not the standard for where people need to be in their Christian growth. Isn't that a great thing? Aren't you glad that someone else in here is not the standard? Because we can always compare ourselves to one another. But listen, as long as we all compare ourselves to Jesus Christ, we all have room to grow. But there are some times in a, in a church assembly where someone thinks they've grown all that they need to. Right? And that, that person is stuck on themselves, and they're prideful, and they will begin to bully. They will begin to, well, why haven't you take, made this decision? And it, it becomes a very arrogant spirit that really, that really destroys the peace and the joy in the assembly. So pride will suck the life right out of an assembly. Loving the truth, walking in the truth, and protecting the truth will all be hindered in, a, in an assembly as long as that is allowed to go on. The assembly will walk on eggshells. There's going to be apprehension that develops. There's going to be division that develops. And John says, listen... There's a weighty issue. I'm going I'm to deal with it when I come. And so notice a wise practice. Notice a wise practice. Now, let me ask you a question. When you know something is, is wrong, is off, maybe in a relationship, uh, are you the type that jumps in and just kind of, like, I don't know what's all going on, but I'm going to jump in and deal with this thing and you know, kind of make it a little bit of a bigger mess? I want to just notice that John doesn't do this. He had many things on his heart to write about, but he... He has poise. He, he says, I'm going to deal with this when I, when I come. If, if I'm able to come to you, I want to. If I'm able to come to you, I'm going to speak to you about this face to face. He indicates he had a planned visit. And in John, uh, 3 John 3, verse 10, I get so messed up with these chapters. Are you with me on that? Like it, it just messes with your mind. You're always ready to say chapter, but when, it, when it's just one chapter. 3 John chapter 1 in verse number 10, Wherefore, I if I come, I will remember his, Diotrephes' deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not uh, content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Man, this guy is just really having a heyday. He says, I'm going to remember this. John's going to deal with this weighty issue in person. Now, think about it. You wouldn't, if, for, if you remember back to the day that you got engaged, 
uh, you wouldn't have gotten engaged through a letter or through a text message, right? There are some weighty issues that just don't, don't transfer to text or to emails, right? Will you marry me just doesn't transfer, right? Right, Isaac? It, didn't, it, it doesn't work. No, it, that's an in-person type of thing. Weighty issues are best dealt with face-to-face. Um, you know, a text message is often misunderstood. How many of you have had maybe a friendship hurt for a, a period of time over a text message? Like, I thought you meant... And then they came out with emojis to help us try to be more clear in our text messaging, right? And even those sometimes uh, get messed up. I won't tell you who, um, but I was, uh, you know, text messaging sometimes can be a little bit awful, but I, I, I sent a message to my wife, uh, and I was going to tell her how cute she was, and I realized as I was sending that that I ended up sending it to the wrong person. And, uh, and, you know, text messages can be really, I mean, they can be cause a trouble. I am so thankful that the Wi-Fi wasn't working and I stopped it. Otherwise, one of you sitting in the auditorium right now would have received that. But, you know, sometimes it's just, it, 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 it's, a, it's a mess up. Text isn't always the, the way to go about it. A phone call, you know, is a little better. People can hear your inflection of voice. But, you know, there's nothing, about, uh, nothing better than face-to-face And I see John using a lot of wisdom here, a wise practice that we would do well to underscore here, especially in our culture that is getting so reliant on on text. I see this is not just an ancient uh, ancient way of going about business, but there are some issues that just ought not be dealt with over, over text, over a letter. And I think we can learn something as John concludes this message saying, listen, I'm going to, this is so important to me that I'm going to wait and put this off in order to talk on deal with it right. Uh, matters of dealing with our kids. Uh, it, 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 correction, especially as they, they get older. Uh, those types of things don't transfer well through a, through a text and, and so forth. And my point isn't to get on, on text as much as to help us to see that weighty issues are best dealt with face-to-face. I've, I have done this before where I've not dealt with a weighty issue and I've sent a, an email or a text and I've dealt with it that way and typically I've, I've regretted it because it's been misunderstood. They didn't hear the heart through it and it, it caused hurt. And so you have more things to, to, uh, to go through. Even... Even weighty things that are positive, one author says it this way, a heart full of love pours itself out more freely face-to-face than by letter. So go set up that appointment. And I just want to understand that it's important to communicate the truth, but it's also important to communicate it in the right context. So when we're seeking forgiveness with one another, now there are times where we need to call somebody up and we need to seek forgiveness, but you know, if you have the opportunity to go seek forgiveness face-to-face, it's powerful, very powerful. Uh, a confrontation, like John is dealing with. You need to confront somebody about, about a matter. It's, it is better face-to-face. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. They aren't well taken, as you just send a text bomb. If some of you are in the position of having to hire and fire or let, let somebody off, uh, it's hurtful to just let somebody off. How many of you have ever been let off through an email or a text message? You know what I'm talking about? That hurts, right? And 
those types of things, doesn't it, if a boss is in a position to have to let somebody go, isn't it so much better to come and say, listen, I hate to do this, but, and I appreciate you. Isn't that best conveyed through the voice? And you see that weighty issues are best dealt with face-to-face, -face, restoring a fallen believer. Face-to-face, -face, arm around. Ephesians 4 and verse number 15 tells us to speak the truth in love. There's a lot of love that can, can be communicated through inflection. Right? So John's going to deal with this. And what is his goal? What's the wonderful goal? There's this, this confrontation that's going to be happening. But what is this goal uh, that he has? That our joy may be full. Let's say that together. That our joy may be full. And this was his wonderful goal. This is what he was after. He wants the church to be joy-filled. And he says it. This word um, full is the idea to be filled full. So just understand when there's sin, when there's problems in a church body, when there's problems in a believer's life, there's a lack of joy. There's a leak in our joy. And John says, hey, I'm going to come. I'm going to deal with this face to face that the joy might be full. Now, remember, joy is a, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When there's sin present in our lives, we quench the spirit, as 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19 says. When there's sin in the life of a church, there is a quenching of the Holy Spirit of God. It hurts. It's not good. Ephesians 4.30 says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit and in fact commands us and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, uh, this matter of the Holy Spirit, if you've read through John chapter number 16 or 14, 15, and 16 and learned the truths of the Holy Spirit, understand that the Holy Spirit is key in our lives and the Holy Spirit's uh, help in our lives, the Holy Spirit. Uh, his, his ministry in our lives, he's called the comforter, but he is there as a convictor. He is there to help us along to do what is right. And when we resist his voice and say, I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to follow the truth of God's word. I'm not going to walk in truth. Oh, we quench his spirit. Diotrephes was one who was quenching the spirit, and there was a lack of joy in the church. And so dealing with sin and dealing with pride in our lives will be a restorer of joy. John says, I, I want our joy to be full wanted to be filled full. Now, dealing with sin isn't always pleasant, is it? Confronting sin isn't pleasant. And we might think of it as an intervention. If you've ever been involved in intervening in somebody's life who is about ready to destroy their lives, it's not pleasant. There's nerves that go along with that, isn't there? And so dealing with sin, it wasn't going to be easy for John to deal with it, but dealing with sin will bring about our joy. And there is nothing more joyful than the assembly of believers that are walking with God and where his spirit has free course in the assembly. Linsky said it this way, when John, when John says that his purpose uh, was that your joy may be as having been filled, he speaks to the general membership. The conduct of Diotrephes has been lessening the joy which all the faithful members found in the life of their church. Uh, I have seen it before. Um, I grew up in church, and um, at 36, have experience, I guess, in, in three or four different churches, but I've seen where one person who is refusing to walk in truth can rob a congregation of joy. One diatrophies who is bent on themselves being preeminent 
and bent on everyone seeing it their way can rob a whole congregation of joy. John says, listen, I'm going to come. I'm going to deal with this face-to-face that your joy might be full. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that in confronting, that our goal is always restoration. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1, Ye which are spiritual, restore such a uh, uh, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Restore. Restore. And it is restoration that brings back that, that joy. And so, Diotrephes had been a joy stealer. I don't want to be a joy stealer. I don't know about you, I want to be a joy giver. And when we walk in the Spirit and have the fruit of the, the Spirit, love and joy evident in our lives, but we can be joy givers. I don't have any ability to give joy apart from the Holy Spirit of God active and working in my heart. And notice lastly in verse number 14, this warm greeting, if you will, that he leaves with, the children of thy elect sister greet thee, amen. This greeting is a blessing. Uh, they bless you. The church from which I'm surrounded, John says, likely the church at Ephesus, he says, hey, we're sending our greeting along, we're sending our blessing along, we want you to know that there's another church in another, in another city that says, bless you. Bless you. And uh, what an encouragement it is to be reminded of the love of the body of Christ in other places. Other local bodies of, the, of Christ who say, hey, bless you. And I'm telling you what, there is nothing more sweet to, to, to happen into, and I, and I just have a, a, a personal, uh, recent experience with just being in another body of Christ, another local assembly, and enjoying that blessing together. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. And it is, it is, it is with this encouragement that John writes back to this, this lady and this, this household, this church gathering, and says, listen, I just want you to know that they greet you. They greet you. And uh, sometimes it might feel lonely as you're working out there in the world and as you're bumping shoulders with a very, very lost world and a very, very contentious world. Just remember the body of Christ right here at Grace Baptist Church, but in other places, there are people that, that take this for their worldview. They're following the Lord Jesus Christ, and what a blessing there is to have that, that common bond in Christ and to be able to share the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ together and with each other, even with our words and how we talk to one another. So I, I'd like to encourage you to take up the example of John tonight in these final verses. Two verses, but they help us to realize, you know, I need to speak up for truth. There's, there might be a, a, I have to plan a time, and I might have to choose the, the, the location of this, but I'm going to speak up for the truth. And when truth is being threatened, when the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ being preeminent in the church is being threatened in his case, I'm going to speak up for it so that our joy might be full. Let's, let's be careful to choose the context in which we speak important things. Let's not be cavalier with that. Let's be Let's not be hasty in that. It's, it tends to be good to give pause, to give yourself time to think. And just as a side note here, is, as far as context and dealing with things, I've learned that very, very seldomly is it good to deal with problems in the moment. Give yourself a, a, a time to think about it and then deal with it. Give yourself time to talk to the Lord about it and deal with it. And I have, I've seen that that oftentimes uh, creates a better, a better opportunity. But you can just imagine if there was a problem that, that arose in the congregation tonight, and out in the lobby, 
uh, you know, you know, it, it would be it would be far better for me to go and set up an, a, a coffee appointment and to, with concern, with love, say, hey, I, I noticed this, rather than in the lobby making a spectacle and saying, hey, don't you realize you're you're doing wrong? And and you understand what I'm saying? And uh, it just it choosing how we go about uh, dealing with weighty matters. And the Holy Spirit will always give us guidance in that. And if we're sensitive, and he'll help, help us with this. So as we close tonight, uh, let me encourage you to pray this way. Lord, please help me to be like the Apostle John. He was known as the Apostle of Love. And he used to be really hasty. Before, John would have just lobbed the, the missile. He would have just said, you know, I'm going to write this all down. I'm going to just say, I'm going to send it. This is going to be a hot piece of mail that's going to be going over there. He would have just sent it that way. He was a son of thunder, wasn't he? That's what Jesus called him. Uh, John, James and John, they, they wanted to call down fire from heaven. They, they liked to do that. They, they ran to contention, but no. You get around Jesus, and you start walking with him, and you realize that, you know, I don't always have to blow up in the situation. We've all been there. I have been there. And where I have said things in the moment that I, that I regret and have to go back and, and deal with later, uh, let's be like the Apostle John. Lord, help me be wise like the Apostle John in speaking the truth face-to-face, not ignoring the situation, but dealing with it face-to-face. Would you pray that with me tonight? Father, thank you for this, this final uh, conclusion to this book, to this letter. Help us to be like uh, the Apostle John and help us to have this heart. Lord, there might be weighty issues that folks here need to deal with in their, in their lives and their different spheres tonight and I pray that you give them grace to do that but I pray that you would help them to do it in love and while speaking up for the truth so Lord we ask for your help would you take a moment there in your seats and just pray whatever God has on your heart maybe he's touched you in a specific way thank you for listening today for more information about Grace Baptist Church please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.